I'm still <laughs> obsessed with Lost in Space. Yes. And uh, because here's this is what happens to me every year because Netflix doesn't space these things out well enough. Uh, be, you know, I want them to start kind of alternating. Like, give me give me Stranger Things one year and then give me Lost in Space another, and somehow stick a new Ozark in between. So I'm so my fix is 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 fed because now it happens every single time. Once I'm done with whatever the hot Netflix show is, I go. Oh look, there's a new season of The Flash up. I guess I'll binge my way through all 26 episodes of The Flash, and you know what? I enjoy those episodes, but I'm not proud of it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Me too. <laughs> Same just, thing. Me and you know me, The Flash, Supergirl. Yeah. Uh, what, you know what am I gonna do? You know, I, I just, just I just sit there and I do it. And uh, I have started actually admitting it to people though. Yeah. I dude, I have a thing about Supergirl that's just completely insane. I en- I enjoy the love story. It's I, the love story. I, you know, I enjoy Grant Gustin and I think he's cool and she's cool and I I like the fact that, you know, uh Cisco gets to have powers now and all that stuff and you know, Killer Frost, she gets to have, she gets to be a thing. I I like I mean, I'm into the characters, but at the, in my heart of hearts, you know that this is it, just and it's usually it usually it usually <laughs> happens when uh, what's his face uh, shows up as uh, Iceman, uh, Leonard Snart. Oh, Leonard Snart. Yeah. He starts talking like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Flash. yeah. Whenever he whenever he shows up, that's when I become very aware of the fact that I'm ashamed. <laughs> it's just so terrible. I'm filled with shame. Oh well. What do you anyway, mean? it's the same thing over and over. Just go back in time and shift to a new timeline and we got a new season and now that everything is all screwed up you know, they cheat terribly in it's yeah it does like why does the speed force have to have a prisoner Can you explain <laughs> that to me no why no you cannot be explained they can't explain <laughs> it doesn't make sense ridiculous speed force needs to have somebody in at all times you know what the speed force is a jerk then <laughs> what is the speed force some kind of that's a, a, a dick move okay so anyway Got a lot of stuff this week. Uh, you know, we're, we're, I don't, I feel like I'm already looking forward to the fall, to be honest. I'm looking at the movies coming out. I don't want to see anything like Been this. Been tough. Been yeah. tough. You know, yeah. and, uh, particularly if it's not a superhero movie and, or a Star Wars movie, that was pretty tough for them, too. Be interesting uh, to see how Jurassic, uh, whatever, uh, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah. See how that goes. Uh, it's funny, too, because we were, we were driving, we were just driving the other day. And uh, my wife, who you, of course, know very, very well, she, you know, she's kind of given up on movies in many respects, partly because, you know, when you have a kid, you don't get out as much, and, and I've got to do it for work. But she just doesn't even care about celebrities anymore. She sees the poster for Jurassic thing, and she goes, who are those people? I don't know who those people are. <laughs> I don't know who those people are. I said, yeah, you know, it's Chris Pratt. He's the Guardians of the Galaxy guy. She goes, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy guy. Who's the girl? Like, That's Ron Howard's daughter. She goes, oh, yeah, Dallas, whatever her name is. Kept on driving. Yeah. Did not impress her. <laughs> I happen. thought, man, you, you, I, I hope people aren't as jaded as my wife. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think she might be in the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah, she might be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Dallas, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. All right. You know, uh, we got some stuff from Naxos. For you classical music fans, I'm going to knock it out real quickly here so we can get on to get into the juicy stuff because we got a lot of TV this week, a oh, ton yeah. of TV, 4K, um, some great classic movie stuff, Twilight Time and Olive and, and Criterion. Uh, we're going to try to get through all of this because it's really, really a good batch this week. Uh, Address Nelson and the Gewandhausorchester. Gewandhausorchester. I, I'm half German. I can't. I just don't understand these words. At a certain point, break it up. Make it two words. Uh, from Leipzig, this is the orchestra in Leipzig. 
uh, performing From the New World by Dvorak. Uh, all you got to know is Dvorak's New Dvorak's World. Dvorak's New just World. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, and this includes a lot of other stuff, too. This is the, and that's the symphony number nine. But they've also got, uh, you know, the concert overture from Othello and uh, Ruzalska's Polonaise and a lot of other wonderful stuff. So this is a Blu-ray. Um, and uh, a Blu-ray audio, I should uh, point out. Blu-ray audio. Uh, and it's wonderful. Uh, it's, you know, it sounds fantastic. And, uh, you know, for fans, it's a great thing. Uh, here we have a Blu-ray collection from Opus Arte. This is from the Royal Opera House, The Art of Marianella Nunez. Uh, unbelievable. She's one of the great ballerinas of all time. Uh, and she's absolutely extraordinary. It is like art in motion, which is the whole point of it. And uh, this includes Don Quixote, Giselle, La Fille Malgarde, and Swan Lake. Uh, all of them in one box set. Absolutely tremendous. Uh, just one of the one of the greats of the Royal Ballet. You will not regret this if you're a ballet fan. Uh, if you are grooving on Mozart, then Opus Arte has also released a, a three Blu-ray set of Mozart operas: Le, uh, The Marriage of Figaro, Le Nozze de Figaro, Così fan tutte, and Die Entführung aus dem Sorel. Uh, these are these are all great operas. They're legendary operas, all performed with the uh, the orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment and the Glyndebourne Chorus, mm. and uh, it's it's pretty great. So um, you know, I'm not a huge opera fan, but I appreciate great art, great opera when I see it. Last three titles here is uh, Nijinsky, the Ballet by John uh, Newmeyer, and uh, that's. Um, I suppose a really great ballet. It's a little bit of a modern ballet. This is on Blu-ray. Uh, it's not exactly my thing, but uh, if you know, if, as long as we're talking about ballet, if that uh, strokes you well, then you'll enjoy it. Uh, Magic Moments of Music, Tosca, 1964, with Maria Callas, is uh, is absolutely breathtaking. Um, this includes a whole lot of interviews. And uh, people who just sort of sing her praises throughout. There's nothing bad you can say about Callas. She was certainly a diva in every sense of the word, negative and positive. But mm. ultimately, uh, one of the great talents of all time. And they all pay tribute to her. And that, this is just tremendous. Uh, this is basically telling the story of uh, her return to the stage in 1964. At the late stages of her career, many people thought her career had been finished. And uh, she and Franco, Franco Zeffirelli, you know, took her to the stage with, you know, a new version of, uh, of uh, Tosca. And it's just, uh, it was a, a legendary moment in music history. Extraordinary then, production designs. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. And then uh, lastly is uh, Handel's Arminio, which I was not overly familiar with. This was staged by Max Emanuel Chenchik uh, for the, the Karlsruhe State Theater in Germany. This is from C major, and uh, I, you know I was not familiar with uh, with this opera, uh, but it is gorgeous music. It's quite in, quite impressive, as you would expect from Handel. So that is also on Blu-ray, and uh, a lovely performance. So there it is. Uh, we're done with that, Tim. What do we have on the more populist vein? This yeah, well, week? We got ourselves a couple of new movies, including The Strangers Pray at Night, unrated. 
Unrated. Unrated Strangers Pray at Night. Yeah. I've been waiting for that. Yeah, which includes because the Because the G-rated version <laughs> just didn't do it for me. <laughs> you know, hey, look, you got three masked people running around with uh, butcher knives and, 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 and axes. I don't know how you make that movie. And it can, <laughs> you, what, the, what the hell is the point? Anyways, uh, one of the uh, standard road trip movie, uh, family is out. They're going to this trailer home. They're going to be visiting. It's deserted. Nobody's there except for three masked strangers. Uh, who come after them and come after them hard. You know, look, this is a pretty intense movie, and a lot of people like it. The director is the guy who directed that movie, 47 Meters Down, oh, that yeah. shark movie back in the day. Yeah, yeah which is actually a pretty t- little sort of like, suspense. you know, a little suspense movie with yeah. not much at hand. The guy had yeah. a boat in, the, in water. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a pretend shark. Yeah. Uh, so he did a good job. He does a good job with this business, too. Bonus features include that alternate ending that I told you about, as well as the, mes- uh, the music video, uh, director's cut of the music video, and a look at, at the inside of the making of the film on Blu-ray and DVD. Strangers, Pray at Night, the unrated uh, version. Nice. We've also got ourselves uh, <laughs> Sherlock Gnomes. Look, man. What is wrong with them? Seriously. Uh, with, with, what does this have going for it? A lot of neat music from it, Elton John and what, what was the first one? There was, there was the, the, the gnome something. The, yeah, the one that came before it. Whatever it was. The previous gnome animated movie. It's just these things. Uh, and, and whatever. People like these things. I find them perfectly insane. Uh, and ludicrous, but nevertheless, folks like them. It does have that Elton John and Bernie Taupin on on it. Uh, Blu-ray and DVD special features include uh, the making of the film, which is kind of a neat thing, as well as uh, music videos that feature Elton. Uh, kind of neat there. I saw this film, The Spinning Man, Guy Pierce, Pierce Brosnan, and Minnie Driver. Ben, there was there was a time. When if you made a movie with that cast, Guy yeah. Pierce, Pierce Brosnan, and Minnie Driver, you had yourself a major motion picture. This did get a you know, theatrical release. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. You Look, man, we're at a point now where that is just sort yeah. of like a, you know, uh, an interesting little indie film. This one is about a guy played by Pierce Brosnan who's a teacher and who may or may, may, or may not have had an affair with a student. Uh, there's a mystery uh, about a young lady who has gone missing. He may or may not be involved in that young lady who's gone missing. He's married to Minnie Driver. Minnie Driver uh, is wondering if, in fact, her husband might have something to do with this young woman who's missing because he did, in fact, do something uh, untoward uh, at his previous job, and he has a daughter, and, and she doesn't know what to believe about her father. And in that way, it's sort of an intense movie. But, you know, today, this kind of movie is really like a HBO movie. Uh, as opposed to like a big theatrically yeah. released movie, even yeah. with a cast like this. Nevertheless, it's a pretty good movie. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, special features include deleted scenes and a documentary inside The Spinning Man and a director's commentary, uh, which is interesting. And I'll also give it this. Pierce Brosnan, uh, 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 Guy Pierce, and Minnie Driver are all still excellent, excellent actors. And we've got 4K this week. Couple of new ones, couple of old ones. Uh, one of the new ones is Love Simon, which uh, got a got a little bit of attention earlier in the year for as long as things get attention anymore. Um, <laughs> seriously, you know, I wouldn't have. This is basically a, a, a John Hughes film if John Hughes had made a film about uh, a gay a, teen, a gay teenager coming of age. Yeah, I was on the of. show for that one, and, yeah. and we talked about it. And it was a little bit of a strange talk because you know what was it? it was in this day and age. Yeah. It's a little hard to understand what the problem is. Yeah. Look, Simon, you're looking kind of gay. 
<laughs> and you know, me and mom and everybody, we're cool. We don't know, but yeah. you seem kind of gay. But it, but if you're thinking it's a problem, it's not. Yeah. That's the day and age that we live in. Yet in this movie, everybody's having trouble trying to figure out what happened. Inventing the drama to to yeah. some degree, but uh, it I still I think it's a, it's perfectly fine. It's from sweet. the people, it's the people, sweet. yeah, the people who did Fault in Our Stars. It's not on the same level as that. Uh, but it's got some good performances. Nick Robinson is really good. He's a very good actor and will only continue to get better. And then you've got some, you know, good supporting roles from from named people. Uh, movies Anywhere on this as well. Uh, so it's, you know, 4K, bl- regular Blu-ray and uh, Movies Anywhere. Uh, and then we've also got a movie I cannot conceivably recommend in any format. Not in 4K, not in Blu-ray, not on Ultra HD, not on 16 millimeter, not even if the post. Get this movie out of your head. Yeah. If there's a thought about this movie in your head, get rid of it. I am, of course, talking about Dirty Grandpa uh, with uh, Robert De Niro and Zac Efron. Um, clearly, somebody thought, I know, I've got a great idea. So Dirty, uh, the Dirty Santa yeah. was Bad re- Santa. Bad, Bad Santa, Santa, sorry. Bad Santa was so funny. Let's just do a version of that, except it's not Santa. It's a grandpa, and we'll make it Robert De Niro, and we'll make him even more filthy and mm. sex-obsessed and disgusting. Yeah. Okay, people, let me explain something to you. Bad Santa does not work because it's about a disgusting, lecherous, horrible, irredeemable person. There's a different level to it. Yes. If all you're paying attention to is all the nastiness, you're missing the point of that film entirely. Very, is, very, 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 very much. Which they did. They, they this is just a movie uh, about. Uh, this movie is actually about a dirty grandpa. It's about a dirty grandpa. It's about what the title is. Zach, Zach Efron. <laughs> Zach Efron's a guy. He's going to get married, and his grandpa concocts a road trip to, as a way of uh, busting him out of this uh, ill-advised marriage. And you know, Robert De Niro's dirty grandpa in this movie, as well-intentioned as they think he is is just the most disgusting, vile human being I have ever seen in a movie. Yeah. I, truly, I kept hoping a serial killer would show up and just off him. Yeah. And I would root for the serial killer. A horrible, horrible movie. There is just nothing good about this. It's absolutely vile in every conceivable way. Uh, it's got Ultraviolet on it because it's Lionsgate. They're still with Ultraviolet, not with movies anywhere. Hopefully that ends sometime soon. But who cares? You shouldn't have this movie in your head anyway. <laughs> the uh, the two classic oh, movies. Yes, 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 yes. Right. The two classic. Well, one is a classic. The yeah. other we'll talk about. Uh, Forrest Gump on 4K. Thank you, thank you, mm. thank you. Finally, Paramount. Uh, this is of course uh, ultraviolet and iTunes uh, as well. The digital copy on here, Blu-ray and 4K. You know what? Forrest Gump, still one of the great movies uh, of the 90s. This movie is so great, so original. I just, I don't think Robert Zemeckis has ever been better. I don't think Tom Hanks has ever been better. It's, it's just, just, you know, just brilliant. It's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, I love this movie, and it took me a while to sort of get over it. Now, let me tell you something. I've never told this story to anybody publicly before. So, I, I have a story about Forrest Gump. I saw Forrest Gump at an early preview screening when mm. I was in my last year of film school. This is uh, Forrest Gump was what? Ninety. Well, Forrest Gump. No, I was not in my last year of film school. I was well out of film school at that time. So let it's me think. 90, what was? I'm going to say it was ninety. It's ninety four. It was Best Picture of ninety four. I saw it. But you went to Con that year. Yes, I did. I did. I saw it probably spring of ninety four. Wow. So I was. How did I get into that screening? I should. All I remember is I shouldn't have been in that screening now because I was actually writing reviews. They didn't want professional reviewers in there, and I somehow finagled my way in because when you answer the questionnaire, it says, do you work in the media business? I think I lied, and I answered no, so I'm a horrible person. 
But on top of that, um, I didn't know what to expect. When I was in film school, I had, I had written a script, which was partly inspired by something Peter Goober t- said one day in his lecture class. I got early to my Peter Goober class, and uh, he was trying to set up something with the projector, and the projectionist wasn't doing what he wanted. And if you know Peter Goober, he's very funny with the New York accent and the whole thing. He said, could you, could you, what you? he's trying to flag the guy down. He goes, ah, could somebody tell that third grade guy up there to, 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 get his, to, to pay attention? Look at me, look at me. And I laughed so hard because I thought, that third grade guy, that's funny. <laughs> and I had a screenwriting class, and I said, and I said I'm going to write a screenplay called The Third Grade Guy. <laughs> so I did. I wrote a movie about, I wrote a screenplay I remember about this movie. Third Grade Guy about a guy who comes from, he's kind of not quite all there, and he spends far too many years in the third grade. And it is about his, his life trying to win the girl that he loves. And over the course of that, he winds up in all of these far-flung adventures, including being in Vietnam and all kinds of other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Forrest Gump several years later at this preview screening, and I'm, I'm, I'm realizing it's kind of the same sort of thing. Yeah. And it's about a half an hour into the movie. I'm saying to myself, I'm like, oh, please don't let him go to Vietnam. Just please, just give me that. And then he goes to Vietnam, and that's when I started to cry. But you know what? Um, I yeah. love the movie. Yeah, yeah. My script was not that good. And you knew you had a good idea. I, but it, it, true. But uh, I'm, glad they, I'm glad that I didn't know about the book either. Who knew? Winston so, Groom. Yeah, I remember that novel. Anyway, uh, wonderful to have this on 4K. Beautifully done. Paramount has spared no expense in making this right. And uh, I don't often say that about certain Paramount 4Ks. But uh, it includes uh, a Wendy Feinerman, the producer. It includes her commentary. Commentary <laughs> with Zemeckis, Steve Starkey, and Rick Carter. Everybody, I don't know why Wendy Feinerman gets her own commentary. It's a little weird. But... Uh, and uh, then there's a whole bunch of other stuff on the uh, on the third special features disc, you know, featurettes and stuff on makeup and sound and effects and everything else. Those are both Blu-ray. Those are the two Blu-ray discs. And then, of course, you know, the, the film itself on the 4K uh, is just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And that includes also the uh, the commentary with Starkey Zemeckis and and Carter and Wendy Feinerman as well. That's all on the on the 4K. So, in any case, uh, Forrest Gump on 4K is tremendous. Now, we also have a 4K uh, and Blu-ray and digital, uh, also ultraviolet and iTunes, of Terminator Genesis. Yeah, a film that I think I was the only critic that actually enjoyed a little bit. So, you know, I I kind of feel like I enjoy this. Um, I mean, it brings it brings Schwarzenegger back, and it's uh, it's got its moments. I, I like, what I liked about it was that it was very meticulous in accounting for, for for moments that have happened had happened in yeah. at least the first Terminator and Terminator Two. Yeah. Um. So like the arrival of Ky- of Kyle. Yes. They staged that arrival. Yes. Exactly as it's staged in 1984. They in, do. In the original. It's like I mean, he, he falls. Jai, Jai, Jai Courtney playing. Yeah. Playing Kyle. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, he falls down and rolls the exact same way. If you go back and look at it, and in in these moments uh, that he, that he has, and when they have to insinuate these new moments into them, they just walk you right up uh, to the original moment through the original moment, and then they give you the new moment. Uh, I, I, you know, I appreciated and, that they were paying attention. And watching this made me realize I was like, oh yeah, Amelia Clark. Yeah, she was Sarah Connor in this. Like I didn't know who she was at the time. I was like, oh, that girl. Yeah, she, from she, Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah, from Game of Thrones and from Solo. From, yeah, from Solo. Yeah. So she's she's on fire. 
Uh, she's now, you know, well, anyway, uh, and Jason Clark, of course, playing John Connor. Yeah, so I feel I feel kind of okay about this. I don't like a couple of the places where it goes. I think it, there, there's some twists in here at the end that uh, sort of betray the concept and mm-hmm. go a little too far. But that said, uh, it's okay. I'm kind of down with it. So, um, you know, Tim likes it more than I do, but hey, you know, it's part of the Terminator universe, and if, you, if you're on board, you're on board. So, uh, Terminator Genesis on 4K, looking good. Well, it's not as bad as that Jonathan Moss style film. Uh, oh, my gosh. You, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 the, mess. yeah. With the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one was all over the, the, with that, but that's the one where, uh, where Skynet becomes Skynet. Yeah. So you kind of can't, I yeah, mean. You gotta have it. You gotta have yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where are we going? We're we going to the TV. Let's do TV. Some TV business. Well, first, uh, Mary Higgins Clark. Mary Higgins Clark is one of the most successful mystery writers of our time. Literally sold hundreds of millions of books, uh, written hundreds of novels, many of which have been adapted into, you know, uh, movies, television shows, uh, various different things of that sort. We have here Mary Higgins Clark. 14 film collection based on the best-selling mystery novels of Mary Higgins Clark, the queen of suspense as she is well known. Um, so so these, these films, many of which you will have seen over the years, uh, two of which are rated R, most of which are rated PG-13. Um, interesting thing about many of these uh, is, is that they, they go back a ways, so you, so you can go all the way back to Where Are the Children, 1985, which starred Jill Clayburgh, Max Gale from Barney Miller, of course, and Bernard Hughes. Uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, you can pop yourself over to about, uh, let's look at 2002, uh, He Sees You When You're Sleeping. Uh, which had Erica Alaniac in it, who used to be on Baywatch, if you remember her. Oh, yeah. And the reason why you remember yeah. her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah um, <laughs> we haven't met before Nicolette Sheridan. And as you bop your way, uh, bounce your way through these, you will see Allison Eastwood and Bo uh, uh, Swinson. You will see uh, Andrew Jackson. You will see Natasha Kinski. Uh, you will see uh, all kinds of names, Leslie Ann Down, uh, that, uh, Cynthia Gibb that come at you from, uh, from the past, and some, uh, some modern names from, from, the more recent, from the more recent adaptations of some of her films. So, 14 films from the brilliant novelist Mary Higgins Clark, almost all suspense thrillers of one sort or another, uh, in this 14-film Mary Higgins Clark film collection. And then we also have from Acorn TV, uh, Menace and Murder, a Linda LaPlante collection. Now, Linda LaPlante, of course, is the, uh, the genius who gave us Prime Suspect. And this is an anthology of three different shows, all based on her writings. And uh, they're all really good. This is great British mystery writing. It just is. Uh, a seven-episode series, Supply and Demand, starring Eamon Walker from uh, Chicago Fire, uh, is an undercover cop who's trying to, you know, track down the worst people that you can possibly find. Uh, very, very good. Um, then you've got Killer Net, which is uh, a kind of a cyber mystery thing um, about this student who is, uh, who's, oh, how do I do, even describe this without giving it away? Uh, something happens in his cyber world and something happens in his real world and they uh, wind up being connected and uh, it's got some, it's got some, some really rough edges to it. Paul Bettany is uh, is in this as well. Yeah. And then Mind Games, which is also really good. Uh, Fiona Shaw as a uh, as a as a nun who becomes a profiler, which I, I thought was really really interesting. And that also features uh, Colin Salmon and Chiwetel Ejiofor. So a lot of great talent in this. Some uh, really really uh, good writing, and it is called Menace and Murder: A Linda Laplante Collection from Acorn TV. 
Um, Will and Grace, the revival. You know, when they popped this thing back on oh, the yeah. air, I was a little yeah. bit suspect. I was too. I, you know, I knocked off one or two of them. Actually, enjoyed it. Sort of, you know, abandoned it after yeah. a while because you know, once you've seen Will and Grace, you've seen yeah. Will and Grace. And yeah. frankly, uh, I, I tell you, I'm so ridiculously shallow. Uh, I need my <laughs> Will and Grace young and thin and pretty. I know. And Jack, I just do. You know, I, that's and and so I just watched the other one instead when yeah. they're all young and, and gorgeous. Know. What the hell would I want to do? What, you know, what, what, I think, they're those as me now. What the hell do I need that for? That's how I felt about here's Lucy. Yes. <laughs> Where's it? What the hell do I need this for? That's insane. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just me because I'm petty. Uh, Eric McCormick, <laughs> Deborah Messing, Megan Mullally, and Sean Hayes in this show actually is funny. And they actually re- do a few bits in the show that are straight out of the Lucy show when Megan Mullally and Deborah Messing get caught in that shower. I mean, come on, that's straight out of the yep. Lucy show. Um, uh, uh, bonus features include a gag reel and the you know, returning of the theme and all that kind of stuff. It's fun. And given what happened with the reboot of the Roseanne show, <laughs> yeah. I'll have to say this, this, folks, is the way you do it. <laughs> not the other way do it like this uh, um, The Invaders the complete oh. series dude I love this series so 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 much We, you and I have been on this I know. run about these you know that classic era you know I mean it, it, it harkens from the Twilight Zone era from the uh, the Outer Limits era uh, well, a, bit, a bit of a reference to the Invasion of the Body Snatchers yes. film of the 1950s, but, of course. But this is also part of, in many respects, the you know, the Fugitive the and Fugitive. Run for Your Life, David and those, and, and it's in that in that vein too. It's yeah. a great show. You got a guy; he's an architect. He sees the UFO land. He's trying to convince people that the US, UFOs have invaded, aliens yeah. have invaded, and they're taking on the shape of humans. Look, this show lasted a minute. Forty-three original episodes. Forty-three. That's a pretty good run. It's a pretty good run. I know people who have never heard. Of this series. I know. That's why this is great that it's out. It's yeah, finally yeah. out. Like, because yeah. it, does, it, it doesn't live on uh, you know, in, in reruns yeah. the way some of the other ones do. I wonder why, too. That's an interesting thing. Anyway, the complete series from CBS, uh, uh, CBS DVD, Invaders, yeah. 43 episodes, 12 discs. So we got a couple from PBS here, uh, but not documentaries. These are PBS Blu-rays of some really great British TV. Uh, Unforgotten, the complete second season. So the first... Uh, season of Unforgotten blew everybody away. This was like one of the best cop shows that people had seen in the UK in a very long time, and it is pretty intense, and it's a gorgeous Blu-ray. It stars Nicola Walker and Sanjeev Bhaskar as a couple of uh, inspectors who are trying to unravel a cold case that has all kinds of really puzzling pieces to it. And I'll, damn it, I don't know why the British are so good at their mysteries and their procedurals, but they are. Uh, and it throws some nasty, wicked curves at you that are just some of the... You would think you've seen it all if you've, if you've watched every episode of uh, Law & Order and CSI, and you haven't. This just goes into a, into a great place. And then uh, to keep your, your classic on, I'm going to highly recommend Little Women. Yes, I, I get it. Louisa May Alcott's Little Women has been done a billion times, and everybody loves the Katherine Hepburn black-and-white film, and that's the one that everybody references. And, of course, then there's, you know, the more recent one of about 20 years ago and and a billion versions that they've done on British TV. However, however, this is absolutely wonderful. And it doesn't replace the others, but it's it's a perfect, you know, it's it's yet another interpretation of it. And it's really great. And it comes with a whole bunch of really awesome behind-the-scenes extras, um, one of which takes you to all the places where Louisa May Alcott actually wrote uh, Little Women. Mm. And uh, it's, it's just lovely. And it's a wonderful, wonderful cast. It includes Emily Watson and Michael Gambon and Angela Lansbury. Are you kidding me? Um, you know, this, is, this kind of a thing would have been a feature film uh, 70 years ago, but, or even 50 years ago, but today 
you know, with that cast, it is, uh, it's British television, and it's lovely, and it looks gorgeous on Blu-ray. Wonderfully shot. Wow. Um, I have here The Last Ship, uh, the complete fourth season. Always an interesting concept for a series, The Last Ship. Um, a naval vessel goes up to the uh, Arctic, I think it was. Maybe it was the Antarctic, but I think it was the Arctic to do some research to carry the doctor with them. They're meant to come back. They sort of get stuck there. And, 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 and while they're away, a pandemic uh, engulfs the, the globe, killing most of the world's population, including most of the American government, including the president and vice president. And uh, it, it, again, it becomes a sort of restart of humanity show uh, to a certain extent uh, within the context of a large uh, naval vessel, which now becomes most of just a society and how that's going to work, uh, you know, because some people don't want to maintain the hierarchy of the military uh, dynamic that they're engaged in, and uh, and uh, obviously the captain of the ship and and others uh, understand that that will be the only way for them to survive. It's a very in- interesting uh, concept for a, for a program. The complete fourth season here includes a uh, documentary feature. Uh, Orange is the New Black season five uh, stand up. Hey, look, what can we say about Orange is the New Black? There it is, right? Um, a groundbreaking television series. It's really funny. Yeah. You take a concept like women in prison. Yeah. A concept that comes directly from uh, our youth. You yeah. Know, in the you know sixties. What, what, what was that British show with uh, with the, with the, with a really big scary? Oh, one, what was yeah. That? Uh, cell block. Cell, the women on cell block eight. That's or it. something that like was that. It. You know, yeah. you sort of worked your way through all these series. Oh my gosh. That uh, was... and, and they're really the same. Yeah. Yet, depending on what characters you insinuate into that show, you get a new series. Yeah. And in the modern. Uh, American orange jumpsuit uh, sort of a series uh, with black and uh, Latino and, and yeah. transvestite and old and young women sort of working their way in and out of that. Yeah. It's fodder for an interesting universe that we don't always get to see and don't always know about it. And they made a really wonderful series out of it. And it's turned out several really sort of amazing stars. There's several young uh, actors and actresses, transvestites, yeah. and people who've come out of that series and gone on yeah. to do some really interesting things, including one who's on The Handmaid's Tale right now. A gag reel, 72 hours and six months, stories from uh, the season, and commentary tracks on season five, Orange is the New Black. So some kind of classic period stuff here for people that want to get into their uh, their their suits of armor and their uh, corsets. Uh, we have Maximilian and Marie de Bourgogne from Kino Lorber. This is a, uh, a miniseries on Blu-ray, a six-part miniseries, and uh, this basically tells uh, this is a, a, about intrigue during the Habsburgs. Now the Habsburgs. Uh, you know, nobody remembers the Habsburgs anymore. Everybody remembers, you know, artists. Nobody remembers uh, empires and politicians yeah. from the past. Um, but this is a really interesting 15th century tale of court intrigue and political machinations, uh, beautifully recreated in the, you know, the medieval period. Is just, I mean, you know, it, it used to be that you couldn't do period on television in miniseries. It was too expensive. Too expensive, yeah. But now, Unless you were in Europe. But for some reason now, even though there are more outlets and there's more product, uh, people create recre- their recreation oh, of Rome period. And, uh, it's uh, great. It's, yeah, so it's the whole yeah. thing now. So uh, this is all really, you know, just wonderful struggle for power, kind of in that vein of Elizabeth. If you mm-hmm. remember uh, Kate, Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth, it's a it's a bit of the of a similar thing, except it's a little more more moving parts to it. It's uh, you know who's going to succeed whom, and uh, Mary is the one who technically should assume the crown, and they you know they want a man to assume the crown, and 
you know, the Austrians were, could be just as diabolical as the French or the Germans or the British or anybody else, but we just don't hear about them as much. So well, this is the a, Habsburg Empire. I mean, that's a family. The Habsburgs was a gigantic family, not unlike the Medici or yeah, uh, you yeah. know, any other great family. Yeah. Rothschilds yeah. or all that. Yeah. Um, just so, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in this, and they really take their time to let it, uh, let it work. It's a, it's a terrific miniseries made just a couple of years ago, Maximilian and Marie de Bourgogne. Uh, it's really good. And then uh, from Mill Creek, we have a couple of uh, oldies, but fairly goodies. Um, the Lady Musketeer from 2003 still kind of works. Uh, I didn't like this so much at the time, to be honest. But I revisiting it, I'm kind of like, that's not so bad. Uh, Gerard Depardieu is not as overweight then as he is now. So yeah. that was nice to see him lose a little bit of weight uh, going back in time. Uh, John Reese davies and Nastasha Kinski, a lot of other you know uh, names show up in this. Michael York, of course, shows up to make the connection to the Three Musketeers yeah, yeah. and the Four Musketeers, the old uh, Lester film. So <laughs> that's a nice little bit of uh, connective tissue. Um, but yeah, the Lady Musketeer, not bad. And then we also have from Mill Creek, Jack London's The Sea Wolf miniseries from 2009, which uh, not a lot of people saw. This was a Canadian-produced miniseries, uh, but very faithful to, uh, to Jack London and quite nicely put together some wonderful uh, ocean photography and a great performance by Sp Sebastian Koch as, uh, as the, uh, the, the titular uh, captain who's just such a, he's just, just such a tyrant. He's just horrible. But he's great at the same time. Tim Roth in a supporting part, and uh, Nev Campbell in a supporting part. And whatever happened to Nev Campbell? Uh, she she popped up in the. Uh, uh, what's the, anyway? Yeah, good, good question. Whatever happened yeah. to Nev Campbell? The company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Rick and Morty season three. Love me some Rick and Morty. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, Rick and Morty has become so famous now for just one thing, which is. My man, that that's now what this show is known for. It's, I, it's the dynamite of yeah, contemporary animation. I find I find that I I just posting that little snippet sometimes as a comment on Facebook is all I need. <laughs> they they're yeah, right with you. Yeah, uh, uh, South Park had it for a while there. I liked it when that kid would go Timmy. <laughs> I used to yeah, sign right. my emails like that. Uh, most people didn't get it. Ten episodes, special features, uh, animatics for every episode, thirteen commentary tracks uh, with the creators. Uh, uh, Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland. Uh, look, I love Rick and Morty. I, I, I think it's really my favorite animation um, at the moment. And um, it's irreverent. It's about this uh, crazy uh, alcoholic uh, grandfather uh, and his 14-year-old grandson who he drags around the universe in his lapidated <laughs> space set, a spaceship uh, getting drunk and messing with uh, uh, other cultures. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's very blue. Or it can be very blue. Yeah. But it's just about the funniest thing you've ever seen. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's kind of sharp, too. And that's the thing that I always like, that I like about Rick, Rick and Morty a bit more than, say, the, the uh, uh, South Park yeah. or The Simpsons. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just a little bit sharper in some ways in those shows, even though it will go left on you, that's for sure. I'm dying up here from the folks uh, over at Showtime, uh, uh, executive produced by Jim Carrey. It's about the comedy scene in an imaginary comedy club that's probably the comedy store uh, in L.A. in the 70s, uh, being run by a woman who is not uh, yeah, Mitzi Shore, but you know seems a whole lot like Mitzi Shore, played by Melissa Leo. Mitzi passed away not too terribly long ago, knew her. She was a lovely lady. Uh, uh, when I used to diddle around up at the comedy store every now and again, trying my hand at stand-up comedy. She was always very nice to me. Um, one of the best new series of the year is what the Minneapolis uh, uh, Star Tribune said about this show. I liked it, too. Went a little dark for me, 
uh, it, they seem to be working a little hard uh, to make it a little bit darker than, than I don't know. It seemed to me things were. Yeah, I mean, it was a sort of drug-filled, uh, sex-filled, uh, uh, sort of hairy and sweaty kind of time there in the late 70s, mid-70s, late 70s, as we work our way up uh, in, in, you know, through the years. Yeah. But, you know, um, a lot of those cats became really, really famous, uh, you know, did well. Yeah. And you wanted to make sitcoms and do all kinds of stuff. I'm dying up here. Season one from Showtime. Uh, a couple more from Acorn. Uh, from the Acorn TV line is uh, Series 3 of The Detectorists. And I got to tell you, this show just keeps getting funnier and funnier. I didn't love the first season like some people did. Uh, second series was just riotously funny. This is even better than, than than the previous two. So Andy and Lance, if you don't know this show, it's just a weird premise. Andy and Lance, played by um, uh, Mackenzie Crook and Toby Jones, are a couple of guys who are uh, certain that with their metal detectors, they're going to find gold. Now, forget about it. They're never going to find gold. They're never going to find anything other than a, you know, a tin can and a piece of silverware or whatever. There, but uh, it's really just an excuse to create a whole bunch of really odd, offbeat, weird <laughs> characters and have them interact in the most bizarre way possible. And it's really funny. It's just a great collection of characters. Forget about the metal detecting. It's the MacGuffin here. Uh, they are really, really funny. Toby Jones especially just has never been better and uh, is, is superbly funny. Rachel Sterling also very, very good. So that's, uh, that's there, as is East West 101 Series 2. Uh, this is an Acorn series, it takes place in Australia, and deals uh, primarily with uh, Detective Zane Malik, played by Don Honey. Uh, and the idea is that this is a, uh, a detective in Australia who is Arab and Muslim, and in the post-9-11 world, that puts him into a very awkward position. And here he goes undercover, and uh, you know what he does in his police work is not as interesting as what his psychology is with respect to the police work. It's a really sharp show, very well-written, superbly well-acted, East West 101, Series 2. Um, Jericho, the complete series I have here, uh, which is really an interesting show. I didn't watch a whole lot of Jericho when it's on, but it was a very it was a show that had a whole lot of fans uh, that people liked quite a lot. And um, you know, it's an interesting sort of thing. As I uh, I, I look at this box, I, I, I see how many people really came to the show. I mean, a number, amazing, right? Uh, yeah, a number, a number of really important people uh, uh, sort of worked their way through Jericho. A mushroom cloud. As the show sort of begins when there's a mushroom cloud. Uh, then we assume that everything is gone, and you have these people sort of traveling through the land. Uh, it's just um, it's it, Kansas and all across the Midwest. It's just an interesting show, kind of not unlike like The Postman or something like that. Kevin Costner's movie from the middle '90s, a sort of you know post quasi apocalyptic world. Season one, uh, 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 the building of Jericho, deleted scenes and audio commentary. Season two, the rebuilding of Jericho. Uh, deleted scenes and audio commentaries. Uh, and there's a bonus disc with all kinds of good stuff on it, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, 100 Reasons Why to Watch Jericho and a table read and, and all, you know, all kinds of neat stuff there. Um, the 36-disc collection, 135-episode, uh, 10th anniversary edition of Ancient Aliens. My goodness. The original series that began on the History Channel, Bizarre, that a, uh, a series about aliens that don't exist visiting places that they never visited would uh, appear on the History Channel. 
uh, but that's where that's where it came in. Uh, there are more episodes here than uh, aliens that have actually been cited. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's, it's funny. The tagline for the show uh, was something like, if I can remember it, uh, science and mythology and, and uh, science and mythology are the same. They're not. No, they're not. No. <laughs> That's a perfectly ludicrous sentence, but nevertheless, they wrote it down. Oh, Look, uh, uh, this is a very popular show. It's still on. 36 discs, 135 episodes, Ancient Aliens, 10th Anniversary Edition. So the question is, when you saw Hugh Jackman playing P.T. Barnum, uh, did you wonder, I wonder if he is going to be as good as Burt Lancaster was <laughs> in the television movie Barnum from 1986? And the answer is, I don't know. All I know is this was a terrible movie. Um, but and, it's and so was the other one. And so was the other one. They're all terrible. P.T. Barnum was a jerk. There's no way to tell his story in an entertaining way, really. Uh, but anyway, they did a TV version in 1986 with uh, Burt Lancaster and the wonderful Hannes Scheigele from many, many fantastic uh, German films, mostly by Rainer Fassbender. Um, but anyway, the uh, this was directed by the you know Lee Phillips, who's done tons and tons of television back in uh, 1986. And it's you know it is what it is. Uh, it's it 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 it's got you know flashbacks that make no sense, and it's it is I don't see it. Wow. Uh, and then we also have Gunsmoke. Oh yeah, the thirteenth season, volume one and two. So here's the thing: Gunsmoke ran for what 25, 26 years. Oh yes. We are now halfway through this after ten years of releasing DVDs. You know what, Paramount? You should have just bit the bullet and said, "Here is every episode of Gunsmoke." ever in one giant box set just you know mortgage something or or get, go onto a payment plan but stop releasing each individual season in two volumes this will take until i'm a senior citizen before this is finally out <laughs> no one cares anymore everyone who has nostalgic affection for this show is 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 now suffering from gout yeah there's no i forget it um, by the 13th season, I gotta be honest, I don't know why this show, it, it, it's kind of run its course. Um, 1955 to 1975. Uh, 20 about, years. About, about 13 or 14 in there, I, I, I spent at the knee of my mother watching Gunsmoke. Yeah. You know, a little uh, chunk there in the middle. Once it gets into the 70s, it kind of loses steam. Yeah. Well, because everybody's like, you know. It just loses its steam. You it's... can't buy that James Arnez can slap leather with some 20-year-old. No. Oh, because you, you're loot. You're 67. You have arthritis. Cut it out. Yeah. Well, still a few, still a few uh, guest spots in here that are that are fun to see. Uh, but otherwise, it's it's getting it's running on fumes. And Kitty gets a little long in the tooth there yeah. to be, you know, running that whole house. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender uh, complete series, which is an animated series that has nothing whatsoever to do with, uh, with uh, James Cameron's avatars, uh, but everything to do with the live-action M Night Shyamalan film, yeah. Last Airbender. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunate indeed, unfortunate indeed. Uh, but this is a pretty neat series that a whole lot of folks actually like quite a lot. Uh, this has all kinds of special features with it, um, uh, including the making of Avatar featurette, an uncut animatic. Uh, that's uh, uh, about the design of the series. And original uncut animatics uh, from, from various different episodes here. Um, audio commentary and much, much more. Avatar, The Last Airbender, the complete animated se uh, series. And by the way, first time on Blu-ray. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. Trading Places. Can I, can I do a couple of these, man? By all means. Do a couple of these Eddie Murphy movies? Yeah. Uh, uh, 35th anniversary. 35th anniversary yeah, of Dan Aykroyd. Don't, don't, don't say that again, because I'll be really upset. <laughs> of Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy's 
trading places. This is funny because this is when Dan Aykroyd was above the title and, and, and got the and got the first lead uh, over Eddie Murphy. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that, yeah, there it was. Dan Aykroyd, he was a movie star first, but you know, what are you going to do? A couple of Saturday Night Live boys with Jamie Lee Curtis just doing some of the sexiest stuff that any human being has ever done in a movie. <laughs> Uh, and thank God and God bless you. And you made my childhood, uh, uh, Jamie Lee. You're the bomb. You're the bomb. You're the bomb. You still are. Um, uh, John Landis directed this movie. Uh, and he also uh, had his hand in Coming to America, another Blu-ray release. Uh, Eddie Murphy's Coming to America, 30th, believe it or not, 30th anniversary ed- edition. Let me tell you something. Coming to America is still one of the funniest movies it's I've ever great. seen. Great. Uh, this is when Eddie Murphy first started doing his soul song, yeah. like multiple character thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and he just absolutely destroys all of these iconic Every characters. Every single one. When he plays the old Jewish guy, oh my I God. swear, I just, I can't stand it. It's With that so little funny. hat and the glasses and the mustache, yeah. and he gets it all right. Yeah. Oh, he, he, he does it so beautifully. Special features all over the place here, uh, including uh, several sort of little videos and photo galleries. And uh, so uh, coming to America and trading places, Eddie Murphy's. Best work. Trading Place is really, really good. Still really good. So we got a bunch from Kino. Um, some really interesting stuff from Kino here. And um, all, all classics, all worth checking out. The three that are part of just the regular Kino classics line. Uh, Paul Verhoeven's Spetters is the first one from uh, 1980, which is one of the films that really kind of put Paul Verhoeven on the map. Yeah. Um, there were a num- American career. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's Soldier of Orange, and there's some other things that made people notice him, but Spetters really, this is a new 4K restoration. It's on Blu-ray. All of these are on Blu-ray. And uh, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a really, it's just, this is hyper-stylized, and it's just cool. I mean, it's a it's a very different kind of a coming of age drama from anything else during that period. And there were a lot of coming of age period uh, movies in that period. Uh, but it's about just uh, you know these three guys in Rotterdam and uh, just kind of trying to trying to just cope and motorcycle racing and a lot of other interesting uh, sidebars to their lives and the way they interact. And uh, it's really really good. So. Uh, this is what really kind of pushed him uh, into the international realm and, you know, got him all of his English language work. So Spetters is really, really worth checking out. Jack the Giant Killer from 1962, less worth checking out. It dates pretty poorly. This was, uh, uh, kind of, you know, this is one of those fantasy family films from the period that just doesn't kind of hold up anymore. But it has a certain, uh, uh, it has a certain kind of uh, nostalgic glint to it. Uh, there are two cuts on here. There's the original uh, cut and then a re-envisioned musical version, neither of which really is better than the other, to be honest. Uh, there's an audio commentary by film historian Tim Lucas on the original cut. Um, it, you know, it's kitsch, is basically is what it is. But it, uh, if you like kitsch and if you like some of the people who are in it, uh, Judy Meredith is particularly good. Thatcher, who plays the sorcerer Pendragon, is, is particularly good. Uh, then you will uh, you'll probably enjoy it, but it really uh, it's it's strictly for nostalgia buffs. And then uh, the other regular one from the uh, the uh, Kino Classics line is Sergio Leone's A Fistful of Dollars, part of the uh, the trilogy. The uh, and it and it's uh, this also has been 4K restored. Um, there are some parts of it that I think they could have done a better job with, to be honest. But it's loaded up with extras, and that's the the real reason to watch this. Uh, the outtakes and, you know, there's a restored opening, the restored UBA logo that hasn't been there for years. 
and uh, tons and tons and tons of featurettes, uh, everything you've ever wanted to know about the, the making of the film. There are audio commentaries. There's one with uh, Tim Lucas. There's one with uh, Christopher Frayling. There's an interview with Marianne Koch, uh, who's an actor in the film. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a fistful of dollars. How do you, how do you quibble with that? Yeah, baby. And then the, uh, the last two kinos, uh, is the Kino Classics release of Luther. Now, this warrants a little bit of explanation. The American Film Theater was, uh, this thing, this, uh, this, this, uh, initiative that, uh, Eli Landau did. And Eli Landau was a producer who wanted to do a bunch of movies based on classic stage productions. And he did them over a number of years. And they are all, they are con- it's the American Film Theater Collection. And they all came out previously on DVD in two giant box sets. And they are now releasing them individually as Blu-rays. Is it worth upgrading? If you own those original box sets and you're like, great, I want to buy an individual Blu-ray for each one of these movies, I don't necessarily recommend it. I, the movies are still stage productions. They are barely made into movies they still feel very much like filmed plays but that's the point uh unless you really feel like you you've got to get the got to get that extra resolution out of this if you have an up converting dvd player you're gonna be perfectly fine this is of course the story of uh martin luther starring stacy keach and judy dench based on the john osborne play uh i studied luther in college i know a good deal about this it is a very accurate and very faithful play but again it's not terribly cinematic so um you know, made in 1974, worth checking out. But if you already have it on DVD, I can't really recommend the Blu-ray as an upgrade. And the last Kino title here is the amazing documentary, Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story. Uh, if, if you're listening to this podcast and in any way streaming on your home network, tip your hat to Hedy Lamar because there would yeah. be no Wi-Fi without Hedy Lamar. Yep, Hedy. She was not just a great actress. Not just She beautiful. was an inventor. Yep, yep, yep. And one of the most beautiful women ever in movies on top of that. Um, this is a great documentary, unbelievable documentary, all about an incredible life, uh, one of the most amazing women who's ever lived, and truly one of the most beautiful women ever to act in movies, but she was also brilliant. And I, this is just such a beautiful tribute, it almost brings me to tears. This is from Zeitgeist, and uh, released by Kino Lorber, and uh, uh, you know, just God bless her, she was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, that, that all certainly went well, far too long unrecognized. Yep. Far too long unrecognized. Yep. The Disney uh, Anniversary Edition, the uh, Walt Disney Signature Collection for Peter Pan. Yep. Blu-ray, multi-screen uh, situation, Blu-ray, DVD, digital code. You can watch it anywhere. Um, what, what, what can I say? It's, uh, it's Peter Pan. I know. Uh, uh, the great Hans Conrad of the voice of Captain Hook. That's what oh, I think yeah. about most when yeah. I think about it. You know, this particular Peter Pan. Uh, and here's the thing. we that, That's the ride that you always have to wait on the longest at Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, it's just that ride is always so long because you can only get two, maybe three people in each one of those freaking boats that fly through Neverland. Yeah. But here's the other thing about Peter Pan. If anybody who works at Disneyland, who has any kind of sway at Disneyland is listening, let me tell you something. When those damn boats come around, that's a wonderful ride. It's a wonderful ride. Yeah. You launch, and, you know, there are the kids in uh, wonderful hair. Oh, hey, there we are. There's a volcano in Neverland. It's over. It's wonderful. And then you come around that bend at the end of that ride, and you hit the side of the track. When you land so hard, I slip a disc every time. Yeah. Could somebody put some styrofoam up yeah. there? Put a bumper. Just put a bumper up there. That ride hits so hard at the end, I cringe now. It is, it is in this day and age... 
find some technology, fix that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this has uh, all kinds of bonus extras on it. What can I say? It's, it's uh, Peter Pan. Just get it because you should have it, because you should have it, because you should have it. That's, that, that's why. Ninja 3, The Domination. Man, I remember this movie. These movies, uh, these are, this is uh, 1984. This is one of those uh, Goblis, uh, Yor- Yoram Goblis movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Golden 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 Golden, yeah. You know, they would make all these ninja movies. The, can- about the canon Manning, movies. The canon movies and like Lucinda that. Dickey. Yeah, Lucinda Dickey. And this one, <laughs> she's like this gym, uh, this aerobics instructor who gets uh, 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 infiltrated by like the spirit of like uh-huh. an angry ninja. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And she goes around killing yeah. all that ninja's enemies. Of course she does. And her boyfriend is like, Naturally. What are you up to, hun? <laughs> it's like this. I'm a ninja. Uh, but nevertheless, she wears these absolutely gorgeous shorts uh, <laughs> in this thing, and she has this sword, and she's just killing ninjas. And what are you going to do? That's just everything about that is Crazy. great. Everything about that. This is packed with all kinds of special features, including the 4K scan from the original film elements, interviews with Lucinda Dickey, interviews with Jonathan, with uh, uh, Jordan Bennett, interviews with the producers and the stuntmen and all these other great, great, great stuff. So much fun. Um, and then something that's ever so slightly more classic. Yeah. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. This is among the first musicals that I saw as a very young person. The film is 1954. I probably saw it in the, uh, I would say, late 60s or something like that on television. That beautiful, beautiful color, uh, uh, Technicolor, just blowing me away off the screen. Uh, And... You know, you see this movie and the singing and the dancing, and they they, they they take these brides and they take them up to the up the mountain, and then the, the, the snow's coming and closes off the mountain, and and they got these seven brides, you got these seven brothers, and I'm th- I'm, I'm loving this when I'm a yeah. kid, right? And now I'm yeah. thinking, oh well, this is like kidnapping and rape. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this, but you know, 19, 19, yeah. 1954. Anyway, they have to convince the girls to fall in love with them, and they do. Uh, a, a really beautiful film, a commentary track with the director Stanley Dunn, whose class that he taught at UCLA. It wasn't actually a class. It was a lecture series that he yeah. taught on the weekend at UCLA, your alma mater. I used to run the projector in Stanley's class. Oh, nice. Yes, many, many, many years ago. Uh, Behind-the-scenes documentary uh, and uh, all the New York premiere, the 30s, uh, just so much stuff yeah. uh, here on this Warner Brothers release. Jane Powell, Howard Keel, two-disc special collection are from the archive collection, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Uh, we also have a box set of uh, 10 Jerry, Lee, uh, Jerry Lewis movies. Now, Paramount has released these films previously, and this is a re-release. There's nothing unique to this. Uh, there are a lot of bloopers and deleted scenes and extras and stuff here, tons of stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here. But um, it's not new. It's on DVD. It's not Blu-ray. They need to release all this stuff on Blu-ray. So if you if you don't have this and you feel you don't need to, you don't want to wait for this stuff to all come out in Blu-ray in a complete box set, then... You know, I mean, some of these, like The Nutty Professor is out in blue, but they need to come out with a proper all 10 film in Blu-ray box set. Mm-hmm. Uh, this includes The Stooge, Delicate Delinquent, Bell Boy, Cinderfella, Aaron Boy, Ladies Man, Nutty Professor, Disorderly Orderly, The Patsy, and The Family Jewels. So with the exception of all of his Dean and Jerry stuff, and like Hollywood or Bust, and, and the exception of Who's Mining the Store, this is pretty much all the really, really great stuff. Uh, and it's great, but again, it should all be in blue. And then we also have uh, The Great Silence from Film Movement Classics, a 50th anniversary restoration on Blu-ray. 
Great Silence is, of course, one of the uh, fantastic Sergio Corbucci spaghetti westerns yeah. of the period. 1968, a legendary year for spaghetti westerns in particular. Sergio was the originator, original director anyway, of the Django series. That's right. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, he was. And uh, this stars Klaus Kinski as crazy as he has ever been, even in any of uh, his German films for, for Werner Herzog. Um, he even played, the character's name is even Loco. They just figure <laughs> it might as well just own it. He's out of his mind. Uh, he's just, he's so Klaus Kinski in this. Uh, great score from Ennio Morricone. Beautiful restoration. Fantastic Blu-ray transfer. And tons of great, uh, great features. Wonderful snow photography, by the way, too. Uh, you know, this is all all in the snow, which you don't often get in spaghetti westerns. It's usually hot and uh hot and deserty, and this is all snow, and it's so different in that respect. And you see a lot of influence on The Hateful Eight, yeah. too, in this film. It's got a lot of, uh, a lot of Hateful Eight going on. So uh, there's, uh, there's a tribute from Alex Cox, and uh, there's a documentary from 1968 called Western Italian Style, alternate endings. Uh, there's even an English-language version and the Italian-language version on this. So uh, it's great. That's a Blu-ray of that. And then a Blu-ray from Flickr Alley of the 1923 classic silent film, The Ancient Law, uh, which is a German film made in, uh, you know, it's almost two and a half hours long in 1923, which is pretty long for a silent film. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of an important movie. It's not really a Weimar film. It's not really like other German silent films, which is why it's so interesting. Uh, and it all takes place in a uh, in a shtetl in eastern Eastern Europe. So I mean, it's a it's it's sort of only goes alongside Der Gollum yeah. uh, as a film that differentiates itself from mainstream German society and which deals with very specifically Jewish European identity issues. It's uh, it's quite interesting. So uh, that I would say is uh, is well worth looking at, especially considering that this film has not been seen any time in our lifetime in its complete unrestored form. Uh, and uh, this is it. This is the deal. This is the first time you're going to get to see the ancient law in blue on Blu-ray from Flickr Alley. Good, good stuff. Uh, you still in that? Or yeah, no, here, good, jump into it. I'll, I'll, I'll knock off a couple of these just because I actually I, I really love uh, these three movies. First one, Odds Against Tomorrow, Harry, Bel- Harry Belafonte, Robert Ryan, and Shelley Winters in a Robert Wise film. Um, aside from the fact that Harry Belafonte is a very young man in this film noir, a very young black man in this film noir, which and Ed Begley Sr. also in the film, um, it's a film that he was a producer on uh, that most people don't know. He was a young man, and he, and he produced this film. It has uh, a noir story going on in it, a caper, uh, uh, Ryan, uh, d- d- an old war veteran uh, who's uh, incredibly racist, uh, Ed Begley uh, Sr. puts together a heist, uh, uh, and it involves uh, the, the, young, the young Harry Belafonte uh, and Ryan and Hillary Belafonte. They're just at each other in this film like you would not believe from beginning to end. Uh, and it, it really uh, leads up to an actual uh, explosion. Uh, Shelley Winters also in the movie. This, um, uh, from 1959, uh, doesn't have a whole lot of special features on it, which disappoints me a bit, but nevertheless, I will appreciate it. Blu-ray, Odds Against Tomorrow, directed by the great Robert Wise. Um, Norman Lear didn't make a whole bunch of movies, but this 1971 film, it's really fantastic. Cold Turkey. Oh, that's a great movie. Great movie. That's a great movie. Dick Van Dyke, Bob Newhart, and Tom Poston, who, of course, would go on to work with Bob Newhart years later. Very, very funny film. It's about a tobacco company that offers to pay any town, any, any small town in America, $25 million if the, if the entire town, the entire town can, can quit smoking for 30 days. 
uh, and Dick Dyke, Dick Van Dyke, uh, play, Dick Van Dyke plays the uh, reverend in the town, and and the, uh, they send a guy out there to try to undermine what's going on, and it's just the funniest thing. Think about that, 1971 Amazing. movie about yeah. smoking at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. think about you know, thank you for not smoking, things like that. So a really, really neat concept. Norman Lear film. Uh, 1971. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it, and you probably haven't. And of course, Bucket of Blood. Hot bucket of Blood. This is a DVD. It's not a Blu-ray. Yeah. We need this movie on Blu-ray. This Blu-ray. has been on. Yeah. Look, this is maybe the best-looking DVD. Thanks to Olive. Olive did a good job, but uh, we need a Blu-ray. We yeah, need a well, Blu-ray uh, of the uh, film. Uh, uh, Roger Simple. Corman's cult classic. You think it's because it's in black and white? Um, uh, yeah, because it's in black and white. And all the, mean, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's know, more resolution, but all you got to do is up the concrash. Because you know this was a, this was sort of central when uh, when the, when we and Ray made Schlock, and yeah. we interviewed Dick Miller. You were there that yeah, day, right? Yeah, you were yeah. running audio, Predict, I think. Yeah, for, yeah. and uh, you know it's uh, it's funny. Dick Miller is he's just he's a great guy, and he's in all the all the Corman films from that period. But damn it, I want him on Blu-ray. Yeah, Sam Arkoff and all the guys. Uh, so all of that on DVD. And we uh, also have a bunch of Twilight Time movies, which are all really, really terrific. Um, the Twilight Time releases include, and there, and this is nice. Twilight Time isn't just doing all the all the uh, the Woody Allen stuff. They're not just doing the Woody Allen catalog. catalog. They are doing the Mazursky catalog. And oh, let me just say, fantastic. next stop, Greenwich Village is a fantastic movie. Uh, next stop, Greenwich Village is is one of Paul Mazursky's very very best. It uh, it's from 1976, right before he made An Unmarried Woman, and it's just it's so many wonderful wonderful performances in this thing. I, I I truly love this movie. It just captures a a moment in time, a place in time, a particular sensibility in New York. Uh, you know, wonderful performances here. Lois Smith and Christopher Walken and. Uh, it's just it's a great great cast. Uh, Ellen Green is so good in this too. Um, it's just a wonderful wonderful movie. Didn't uh, we give Paul some an award? Yeah, career achievement of, award. Uh, yeah, it was there that yeah, year. Yeah, Ray and I nominated. That's him. right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was great. It was great. Uh, D. W. Griffiths, The Birth of a Nation. This is probably the third or fourth release on uh, on DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, there are better transfers available on Blu-ray than this one. Uh, but this one is still quite good. This is the uh, the 2015 Photoplay restoration, overseen by Patrick Stanbury, which is very very good. Uh, again, I, I won't call I won't say it's the best. There are, there are others, but it's still very very good. You, if you don't own the film, you're not going to go wrong by getting this one. It has its own extras on a second disc, outtakes and camera tests, and all kinds of other uh, behind the scenes things. Birth of a Nation score recording sessions uh, by John La- uh, Lanchbury. Uh, D.W. Griffith on the Lux Radio Theater with Cecil B. DeMille. It, you know, Birth of a Nation is an essential film because it yeah. is so it is so crucial from a historical standpoint, from an artistic standpoint, and yet thematically it is it is deeply offensive. It is vile in every respect because it's predicated on uh, you know it, it it not only sort of it's the film that basically reignited the, oh, the, uh, Ku the Ku Klux Klan yeah based on the on the book the Klansman uh, President uh, Wilson at the time screened that film at the White House at the same time that he was resegregating the civil the, service the, the civil service uh, and, and, and 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 which would eventually lead to Jim Crow and all yeah. of that and uh, and he said that it, uh, it 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 hurt his heart it was all just too too true yeah. the thing about birth of a nation is very controversial in that way what what's necessary when you talk about birth of a nation is to talk about it completely yeah. and not simply talk about it as a cinematic achievement by yeah. D.W. Griffith that's all true you're supposed to struggle with it yeah yeah you're but supposed you have to, to struggle talk with about it. it completely you have to talk about it and then after you talk about birth of a nation you have to 
talk about intolerance, but it's not here today, so we'll talk yeah. about it later. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Birth of a Nation, it's important to look at it and go, I understand it was the first feature-length uh, film. It's the first film that did this, that, and the other thing. And it's uh, almost insufferable to watch today, it, despite all of that. But at the same time, you, you, can't, you can't abide what it does and what the message is. And you're supposed to struggle with yeah, that yeah. because that's the point of yeah. art. Content makes a difference, and that's what art is doing. That art had an impact on, the, on, the, on America anyway uh, for the next, well, in, now, until now. Uh, black, they're, they're black, Lands, black Klansman won, what, the Audience Award? At Con, yeah. at Spike's Audience Award, and, and is it, it directly and connects back to Birth of a Nation. And there is something poetic about the fact that Griffith was one of the founders of United Artists, and United Artists went on to be the studio behind the Rocky films, yeah. from which we got Creed. Yeah. So, and yeah, you know, the connections are amazing. The, the connections are amazing. Geronimo, an American legend, just straight up biopic about uh, Geronimo, starring Wes Studi, who of course was in Hostels last year, and awesome. Uh, and uh, it's this is a perfectly fine film. It's Walter Hill doing kind of mid-level Walter Hill, really beautifully photographed. I have to say, full disclosure, the cinematographer Lloyd Ahern is a very good friend. Uh, so uh, I think he does amazing work here. Written with John Melius, uh, you know, Larry, Walt, Walter Hill co-wrote it, but he doesn't take a credit. It's uh, Larry Gross and John Melius who get the the writing credit. So it's got that macho Melius thing going. Yeah. Perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, uh, it's, you know, it is what it is. West Studi still has the same face. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Just grayer hair. Amazing and weird. And Hilda Crane from 1956 is uh, a great melodrama drama in the Peyton Place vein. Uh, Philip Dunn wrote and directed this. It stars Gene Simmons as a woman with a bit of a, a past who goes back from New York to her, her home in this small town and her past catches up with her in some uh, interesting and unpredictable way. Unpredictable ways. I, I have to say that uh, Jean-Pierre Aumont, if you haven't seen this film, Jean-Pierre Aumont in this movie is basically uh, the inspiration for Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. I'll just leave it with that. Yeah. Uh, I got a few really interesting uh, classics over here from the Criterion folks, the good folks at Criterion, uh, including Midnight Cowboy, John Schlesinger's uh, 1969, at the time, I believe, rated X at the time, yeah. uh, uh, drama about Rezzo, uh, Rizzo, uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman, of course, and Joe Buck, uh, a uh, itinerant uh, tech, a pimp from the South. Uh, this movie was just astounding. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, I mean, we talk about The Graduate being the movie that makes Dustin Hoffman's career, but I think this is the movie that sort of solidified him as a person who could act. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in that sort of dynamic. A beautiful movie. Uh, this has just about everything on it. You could, you, you could imagine Blu-ray, special features, 4K, uh, digital restoration, of course, approved by the cinematographer. Uh, and uh, uh, just uh, so much audio commentaries uh, with everyone from Schlesinger to the producer, Jer Jer Jerome Hellman, uh, video essays, uh, commentary tracks with uh, photographer Michael Childers, uh, on and on and on and on and on. Really, really great stuff. So from Criterion, uh, doing what they do best, a special Blu-ray edition of Midnight Cowboy. Fantastic. Um, Robert Brisson. Uh, this this profound masterpiece. I'll let you do that one, Wade. Yeah. Oh, oh, has, oh, has Baltazar. Uh, this is a Bresson film from 1966. Bresson just such a who such literally a... wrote the book on filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, you know, like actually. Yeah. And and uh, and this is from a 4K digital restoration. Uh, the you know Bresson made very religious films because he was a, a devout Catholic, 
Uh, and uh, so there's a there's always a strain of that kind of very ca- ca- Catholic humanism running through his films, but um, this is one of one of his strongest films. Uh, it's it, it maybe the one that's the most popular. I would almost say uh, this is a, a follows a uh, a donkey named Baltazar uh, who goes from owner to owner in omnibus fashion, kind of like the red violin. And uh, you learn something about humanity through each of those who come into possession of the of the donkey. Uh, it is it's really kind of incredible that he makes the donkey almost a surrogate for mm. humans, and humans are a surrogate for animals in some in any respects. That that turnaround is is part of the great part of the movie. It's really a wonderful movie, and this is on Blu-ray, and it includes a 1966 French television program about the movie. Uh, with Brisson and, of all people, Jean-Luc Godard. And Louis Malle is there to, to basically make it normal. Um, but uh, it's it's really a great movie. Oh, Hazard Baltazar, finally on Blu-ray. Uh, Diane Kruger and Fade in a, a, a fairly tragic story inspired by true events. A young yeah. woman's family Tough is movie. killed in a terrorist act. Uh, and she slips into a certain dark place as she tries to find out what happened to her family, who did it, and all that kind of stuff. There, the suspects are arrested. And, there's a trial. And whether her husband was involved, involved because he, yeah. you know she's married to a Turkish, a man of Turkish ancestry, which of course is a, a bit of a thing in in Germany. The uh, you know yeah. the, the integration of uh, Turkish uh, people of Turkish ethnicity. And the last two we're going to talk about really quickly. Uh, oh, Lucy is a Japanese film by Atsuko. Hirayanagi, which is a little bit of an odd movie, uh, presented here by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay for some strange reason. Uh, Josh Hartnett's the only American presence in this. This is uh, about a woman, an older woman, who, uh, played by um, uh, Shinobu Terajima, who winds up falling in love with her much, much younger uh, English-language teacher in Japan and then kind of following him to the United States and there are other family entanglements, her sister and all this other stuff. Um, it's a, you know, it's a well-intentioned film. It's just a little bit odd and uh, doesn't really kind of go anywhere that you don't sort of see coming a mile away. Mm. But good acting, especially from Josh Hartnett who seems to have kind of fallen off the radar entirely. And the last one is The Two of Us, a new 4K restoration of uh, this amazing movie on its 50th anniversary. This is Claude Berry's directing debut based on his childhood during World War II when he was sent to the countryside and the people he met and the, you know, the, the, the crusty, crunchy, lovable, bigoted characters <laughs> that you know don't know that he's Jewish. And uh, it's, uh, there's a real sweetness to this film. It's just a, a, an amazing directing debut. And it won the National Board of Review, and uh, it won the Berlin Film Festival in 1967 when it was made on its 50th anniversary. It is astonishing. And the best thing about this, the best thing about this, Tim, I want you to read the first thing of the extras. The extras are amazing on this. Uh, this features uh, of the extras right here. Feature-length audio comment, this part, by a guy we know, yeah. uh, Wade Major. Thank you. Excellent work, sir. This was this was a, a solo audio commentary. I couldn't read my own name. I, I love that they put the entire thing on this box. Yeah. A film critic with NPR affiliate KPCC. I mean, they're thank they're, you. They're, I mean, they're they're, they're, they're yeah. cranking it out there. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So uh, this was a really fun commentary to do. I, uh, I I had to do a solo, which meant I couldn't lean on anybody else. You and I have done commentaries <laughs> well, yeah, together. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's, it's great when you when yourself. you when you bounce, but when you're when you're by yourself, you got to fill all the space, and there's no conversation and. Uh, 
I had to knock it out. So hopefully, those of you who listen to it, let me know what you think. Uh, email us at gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. That's the Blu-ray from Cohen Film Collection of The Two of Us, 4K restoration on the 50th anniversary. Uh, and if you have any other questions, any other concerns, email us, gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. And go and check out the Facebook page, uh, Cinegods, and uh, you know, visit the cinegods.com site. We're going to continue to put some work into that in the coming weeks, too. Mm. That's been uh, just kind of a, a portal lately, but we've got some great ideas for it and some stories and fun things that are going to happen. So, with that, we will see you guys next week. For this week, we will see you guys next week.